If you're visiting with us this morning, we've been going through a series titled Love One Another. And each week we've been looking at the different aspects of what we've been called to. So far we've had This Is Love, which has been an introductory sermon, a message. Forgiving one another. Submit to one another. And encourage one another. Now, I'm going to break the pattern a little bit because I've titled this message One Body Corporate. But before we get to that, I just want to set a little bit of groundwork. I think it's important to highlight that we tend to think in terms of exclusivity, one thing or another. The Bible Bible gives us a number of pictures that give us insight or help explain who we are and what we've been given. In addition to the body... We've got family, with God as our father, and Christ as our brother. We've got the image of Christ as the shepherd, and us as the sheep. None of these images or truths contradict each other, but rather they help illustrate and show us a different aspect of the relationship that we have with God and with each other. The body is one dynamic, and nothing I speak about this morning about the body negates nor contradicts what we know about ourselves as God's children and his family, nor Christ as the good shepherd. We're looking at the same thing, just from a different angle or perspective. That's good. Got that? Cool. So back to the title. One Body Corporate. Now, with a title like that, there may be a little bit of concern and maybe you're thinking or wondering, are we at, we are at church on Sunday? This is not like a university lecture. What's going on about a body corporate? Is he, is he really missing his commerce degree? You know, he just can't help it. Did I see him up the back before with one of his university textbooks? I want to allay your fears right now and assure you that I won't be talking about director's duties, fiduciary responsibility, or dividends or anything like that. In fact... The title isn't One Body Corporate. There's a comma in between each of those words. So it's one, comma, body, comma, corporate. Three different ideas and topics that give us a different aspect of who we are. What it means to be one, what it means to be body, and what it means to be corporate. Now we'll actually be looking at in the opposite order, because it makes more sense and flows a little bit better. So corporate body and one, but corporate body one didn't have quite the same title or ring to it. (laughs) I actually thought about extending the joke and bringing in one of my old law textbooks, and right now we're going, okay, now we'll turn to page 350 of Australian Corporations Law from LexisNexis, but it was all too hard. My books are in storage, so you just have to imagine that that happened. So our first topic corporate. Generally, when we want to learn a word or what it means, we turn to the dictionary. I like the Oxford Dictionary of English, and it's helpful that on my phone it's built in, so anytime I want to look up a word, I can either just type it in or tap it and get a definition. So the definition is helpful, but there's also often something else there in the dictionary that gives us even even more of an understanding or, or background to the word, and that's its origin or its etymology. For corporate, the Oxford Dictionary states this, 
It comes from the late 15th century from Latin, corporatus, which is the past participle of corpora, which means to form into a body. That's from corpus, or the prefix corpal, which means body. So it's the bringing together of different people into one body. And this was read to us just before. In fact, we read it together. For we were all baptised by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. Now, straight away, that tells us that this is a supernatural and miraculous event. We've been baptised by the spirit into the body. This is an astounding thing. And if that little bit sounded, if that little part of the sen- uh, part of the verse sounded familiar, it's because you may have you may be thinking of um, two other sections in the Bible where Paul says something very similar. In Galatians, he says, "There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus." And in Colossians, in Christ, there is not Greek or Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision. Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, and free. For Christ is all and in all. In Christ, all the old divisions are broken down. Now, of course, this is not saying that there are no longer men and women or people from different countries such as Australians or New Zealanders. But rather anything that would have had had an us-versus-them mentality, or an in-versus-out. You might remember in Acts, where the Hellenistic Jews had the complaint against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. You see how that's the old us-versus-them coming back in? The Jew versus the Greek. And what was happening there was completely contrary to what we are in Christ and is completely out of place in the church. It was serious and that's why it had to be dealt with. That's why they had to take it to the apostles and appoint those people to help with that distribution. If you've travelled, you may have experienced being in another place or even in another country. Maybe you don't even fully speak the language where you've travelled. But when you meet with other believers, there's something there that unites you. You're one in worshipping the same God, in loving the same Lord. It's quite incredible if you've been in that situation to have that, that sense of unity and fellowship in a completely different place with a completely different people. Even with the language and cultural differences... There's unity of spirit and there's unity in the spirit. Now, this is quite amazing. It's not normal. And it's only possible because Christ on the cross bore our sin, our enmity and hatred towards God and our enmity and hatred of one another. He bore our sin and he bore the punishment that sin deserved. We see the love of God in action. There is, and as we believe and trust in Christ, that love is poured into our hearts and we are able to love God and love one another. People from all different backgrounds, 
and all different social situations have been brought together, baptised into one body by the Spirit. Which takes us to our second point or topic, the body. Paul deals extensively with this in a number of his letters, specifically in Romans, Ephesians, and the first letter to the Corinthians. He also mentions it in Colossians, but more in passing. And the fact that it's covered extensively in those letters, and in more places than I've just mentioned now, should tell us or indicate to us that this is something that's really important. I would love to go through the part in each of these letters together this morning because it's all really helpful. But it would take more time than we have, so I'm going to focus primarily on the parts of the passage in 1 Corinthians 12 that we read and had read to us before. I think this illustration of the body is one that's just so helpful. And it's one that we innately understand because we all have a body with different parts or members. We know that our physical body needs all its parts to be able to function at full capacity. Shortly after I was born, uh, an infection got into my hip and it made my femur at the top not grow properly. And so there's some things as a result that I just can't do. One of those is sitting cross-legged. If I try, my left leg will be down, it'll be nice, but my right leg pretty much has to go straight out. And if I try and bend it up, it will go a little bit. And if I try and push it down to the side and force myself into a cross-legged position, my whole body ends up tilting over. And there are other things as a result of that that, I haven't been, that I've been limited in in life. And sometimes I wonder what my life would have been like if I didn't have that yeah. infection and my leg had formed properly. I wonder about the things that I would be able to do or do better. I don't want you to think this morning that I'm complaining, uh, not at all. These bodies that we inhabit are only temporary, and we all look forward to a glorious resurrection body. But it's just an illustration, a personal illustration, of of how all the parts of the body properly working together enable the body to operate at full capacity. It's the same in the body, the church. We need all our parts, our members, working together to function properly. Each part, each member, has its critical part to play, so the whole body functions. In our earlier reading, we had a whole list of gifts given by the Spirit. I think sometimes we can encounter or read a list like that and feel inadequate. You know, maybe there's we don't feel like we do some of those things or we, you know, maybe we're not as good at, we don't feel like we're as good at sharing our faith with other people or in, encouraging one another. Maybe we're new to the faith and we don't really know what gifts we've been given yet. Well, one of the things I want to do this morning is encourage you if you're feeling that way. I don't know whether you noticed it, but right in the middle of that list, one of the gifts was faith. 
if you have faith, which by definition is everybody. You're an essential part of the body, an essential part in helping and ministering to one another. And you might have also noticed a little bit later, there was also the gifts of helping and managing. Something that we maybe don't think of so much, but are once again an important part of how we live together as the body and serve one another. Paul also gives us this quite comical illustration that emphasises how the body needs all of its different parts and how each part shouldn't think of itself as lesser than another or unnecessary because it isn't some other part. And neither can any part look at another part disdainfully and think or say that the other part is unneeded. Paul says it quite succinctly at the beginning of Romans 12, which I'll read to us. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all of the parts do not have the same function, in the same way we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. As I've been thinking about these things, one of the things I've been pondering is how in Australia, and I think we will recognise and acknowledge this, we live in quite an individualistic society or culture. And I think we'd also acknowledge that our culture has an impact on us and the way we think and operate. We've just had two or so years where we've been paradoxically, out of an intent to care for one another, being more isolated than normal. Thinking back to 2020, when I was living by myself, not really getting out and about, working from home, basically spending most of my time by myself. I remember coming to church, and at the end of the service, just not feeling like talking to anyone, and wanting to go home. That wasn't a good place to be. But you can see how my circumstances were affecting me. It's been immensely helpful for me to have moved back to live with my parents and just live, not by myself, but with other people. We desperately need each other. We can't do it on our own. And not because of some deficiency in Christ, but rather out of his fullness, that we should build one another up in love because we've been joined to him. Can you see how this is the way that God has ordained it to be? That it should, how it should happen? And not just collectively, because the body needs all its members working together to function properly, but individually, because we're members of one another. If the body needs all its members to function properly, then if we're members of one another, can you see how that means we need each other? to be able to function properly. It gives a bit of context to what's written in the letter of the Hebrews. And let us be concerned about one another 
in order to promote love and good works. Not staying away from our worship meetings, as some habitually do, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. We all know how only God can change somebody's heart and draw them into repentance and faith. But we also know that God delights to involve us in that work through witness and gospel proclamation. It's the same thing after conversion. Only God matures us and conforms us to the image of Christ. But he still, he still delights to involve us in that work also as we teach and encourage one another as the body. Now we come to our third topic, one. We've touched on this in the previous two sections, how the old things that divided us into us and them are gone and removed in Christ, how to operate to its full potential, the body needs all its parts working together and in full capacity. Those things are true. However, they're not the full picture there's something far more profound. To set the scene, Jesus is with his disciples having their last meal together. Judas has left, and Jesus has been telling his disciples what must now take place. The last thing he does before heading out with his disciples to the garden where he is betrayed is pray. I'll be reading from the Gospel of John, and we join the passage while Jesus is praying at the point where he's finished praying for his disciples and starts praying for all believers, for us. I pray not only for these, that is the disciples, but also for those who believe in me through their message. May they all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be one in us so the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me. May they be one, as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they be made completely one, so the world may know you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. May they be one, as we are one. I hope this blows your mind as much as it blew my mind. (laughs) The oneness that the Father and the Son have, that same oneness is for us. What we're to have, what we do have, a oneness and unity of purpose. Then Jesus replied, I assure you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son also does these things in the same way. A oneness and unity of love. 
For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing, and he will show him greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. And in another section, on the contrary, I am sorry, on the contrary, I am going away. This is Jesus speaking, so the world may know that I love the Father. A oneness of glory. The Father glorifies the Son, and the Son glorifies the Father. Oneness in communion. This is the oneness that is for us. And this also also helps us further understand what it means to be the body. We worship one God who has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Spirit. Them being one God doesn't diminish, if I can put it this way, their individuality as Father, Son, and Spirit. So nor does us being one body diminish the uniqueness of Brian, Peter, or John. Father, Son, Spirit, one God. Brian, Peter, John, one body. Now, I've just picked some names at random. And if I didn't say your name just now, I'm not implying that you're not part of the body. But I did actually miss somebody important. What does Paul say in his letter to the Ephesians? We heard this the other week from Dave. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Brian, Peter, John, Christ, one body. There is so much I haven't touched on, and I encourage you to read the passages in Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Corinthians 12. I hope you can see that us being the body is such a profound and amazing thing. We've been given something wonderful, and it's really my prayer that the Father will enable us and cause us to glorify him as we live together and operate as the body, loving one another.